This is Tony Johnson with Heron.org. I'm here today with Gil Crawford, CEO of Microvest, which provides capital and financial services to underbanked markets. How are you today, Gil? I'm great, Tony. Thanks for reaching out to Microvest with these questions. Can you provide for our listeners a brief overview of the work of Microvest and its mission to help poor people globally reach the middle class? Sure. Well, we're a for-profit asset management company based in the Washington, D.C. area. We focus on finding financial institutions that have learned how to successfully and profitably bank the bottom quartile of the population. And these are people that are starting tiny businesses or maybe uh, growing small businesses so that they can be part of the formal economy. We manage about $400 million in several funds. We're founded in our own three nonprofits, and their vision was that these sustainably focused financial institutions like microfinance banks are often uh, starved for either long-term common equity, uh, long-term capital, or debt funding. Often, uh, these banks have learned how to finance the working poor, started out uh, making loans before they started taking deposits. And so we, since 2003, have been focused on doing uh, due diligence on these banks in often uh, difficult countries, countries that many people don't go on vacation to, but countries that, uh, where we find that by looking at why the founders, the owners, and the management team have chosen to work with this underprivileged population, we often find that there are really good returns that can be earned for our investors. So you're also working closely on a new fund spearheaded by the Global Alliance for Banking on Values. The fund, as I understand it, is intended to provide long-term capital for investment in the real economy. Can you tell me a little bit about their work and what's the real economy and why is it underserved? GABV, they went and did some really interesting research. It was supported by the Rockefeller Foundation. And what that research showed is that banks that are investing in the real economy, not in financial assets, they're taking deposits from their community that have you know, really long-term relationships with their customers, good governance. They are much more resilient over business cycles that they tend to outperform these large, too-big-to-fail financial institutions. And we think that there is real value in those institutions and that the market is just beginning to understand the hidden value in these institutions. So you work primarily outside the United States, but some of the issues that you've been bringing up also exist here and are tremendous obstacles for poor people in the U.S. What kinds of things do we be doing or looking for? There are a number of banks that are invested in the real economy in this country. Uh, Many of them are members of GABV, the Global Alliance on Banking Values. And I think that what will be interesting for me, and I need to state that I and Microvest were relatively ignorant of the U.S. market, having spent most of our professional careers in the emerging markets. One interesting idea that we have come across recently are some people are looking at disrupting the predatory uh, lending that goes on with payday lending. And I think all of us have seen those in our communities. These are often artisanal payday lenders. And there's some people that are, I think, doing some very interesting work looking at making that much more systematic, but with uh, much greater protection for the borrowers. One thing that struck me was that in emerging markets, many of the predatory lenders are very small local loan sharks, often kind of overweight guys hanging out underneath a shade tree. They know everybody in the community and they're available to make daily loans against collateral or someone's name. In this country, the predatory lending is much more organized. It's much more corporate. I'm struck that some of the uh, microfinance institutions have historically been thought of as institutions 
solutions that put loan sharks out of business. And I don't know if uh, we can hope to have the same transformative impact uh, in, say, in the States. You mentioned earlier that you put a lot of stock into thinking about how social and financial performance relate to one another. Do you want to just talk a little bit more about the importance of coupling the two? I think there are maybe the three schools of thought here. One is that impact investments, by definition, have to be lower returning than a normal investment. And there's a growing body of evidence that that is simply not true. I think there's another school that feels that impact investing, it should never drive to return a risk-adjusted return. It should be happy with a certain amount of subsidized money that looking for breakout or scale is either frowned upon or not something that promoters are willing to, to give a try. You know, we're very much in the third school. We feel that by using social metrics, in our case, really spending a lot of time uh, looking at why our partners have chosen to work in the bottom quartile of the market can result in really remarkable and stable returns uh, for our investors. And in the case of the emerging markets, these opportunities are based on solid economics. The micro-entrepreneurs and the small business people that we finance, one additional dollar of capital alone, for example, can have really dramatic impacts on the productivity and the, the profitability of an enterprise. And that allows those enterprises to pay the financial intermediary enough money to cover the cost of banking and making lots of small collateralized loans. So for us, one of the lessons is that in balancing the social performance and the finance, there always needs to be an under underlying economic underpinnings that make business dynamic, profitable, and scalable. And what excites us at Microvest is, is looking for those opportunities. Are there what Wall Street would call are there arbitrage opportunities where using a social lens allows us to create an unexpected alpha or superior returns for our investors? And the reason for that, just to summarize all of this, is that without that, we're not going to be able to raise the billions of dollars that are required in these communities. You've been working in the microfinance area for a long time. What are some of the lessons you've learned that might be useful for the field going into this space? Well, I think the first is that we look for uh, balance in the institutions that we work with. We're looking for people that balance imperative to have a profitable, growing business while serving the population that we're interested in. And we're looking for partners who understand that if they're going to bank that segment of the world's population, a billion or two billion people, they need to do it in a social way. If they're focused on being predatory lenders, we think it's very bad for business. We also find that organizations that are embarrassed, let's say, about making a profit, they often don't grow and they often alter and fail. And so we have to weed out potential predatory partners and also partners that really don't understand how important it is to have a balanced institution, balanced between the social objectives and the profit objectives. On the other side of the balance sheet, we've found that many uh, people in the impact investing space with good intentions have created vehicles that are designed to address a specific social problem or dilemma. Unfortunately, many of those financial vehicles, when they're structured, are so different or their returns are so below market that it's very hard for institutional investors to allocate uh, resources to. You'll end up having a very short, polite conversation. They cannot put their stakeholders' assets at risk. And so I I think one of the lessons that we would encourage people to take from this space is create vehicles that people have seen before and that are risk-adjusted. Is there anything else you would like to add? One of the things that our board and our investors got right was balancing the need for us to run a profitable and growing business with the social vision that they had. 
And at no point have we burdened MicroVest with too many hard-to-define and measure social matrices. I think one of the things that the entire impact industry is discussing with is how to balance those social matrices with the need to be able to scale and offer real uh, institutional money with suggested returns. And I think in the end, where we may come out as an industry is that we're going to look to the investors to make their own determination about the social impact. And is a given impact asset manager creating the kind of social impact that they want? But I have to admit that I'm, I'm often confused by how we can reach scale through profitability and push so many costs of measuring social impact down to our financial institutions and ultimately to the dollar. Thank you so much, Gil. For Heron.org, this is Tony Johnson. 